All right, welcome to another episode of the Talking Blues podcast. Yes, that's right. We are coming to you two times in two weeks, one time each week. It's almost like we're back to normal. Pretty crazy stuff here on the podcast. Chelsea get a win this weekend over Leicester City uh, by a score of three to one. And it was honestly three majestic goals that I'm sure we'll be able to go into. And one that probably went viral throughout either the football uh, part of the Premier League, if not the world, which was the Kai Havertz goal that sent the team up 2-1 heading into halftime, which I really think was the turning point of this match because it was the first goal early that was scored by Chilwell, right? And then it was a, a dominant first half by Chelsea for a good 35 minutes. And then the tides turned. And then Leicester gets the equalizer. And we are getting shot after shot after shot on our own net. But then right before halftime, within minutes, we make it 2-1. And that was, I think, very critical. And obviously the beautiful pass, the beautiful touch by Havertz over the goalkeeper. We'll get into that. But anyway, my co-hosts are with me. My name is Josh, Peter, and Alex. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. We're fine. It's easier to uh, to feel good when you're actually finally winning again. You know, it's truly, you truly do just love to see it. You know, two wins in a row. I mean, I three wins in a row. Actually, I mean, this is unheard of. You know, this is like the first time we've won three in a row. I think I saw something since like probably this entire season. Well, since the start of the season, because at the start of the season we looked like the best team in the world, and then we just decided to just turn into a, a horrible team. But like you said, Josh, very, very dominant performance. Very, very good performance. Uh, just, you just—it's just like it looked like we were actually Chelsea again, and not just some mid-table team in tenth. Yeah, we, it was a really good performance. Obviously, started off a little bit shaky when uh, Leicester equalized one-one, but uh, after that, they pretty much went on a, a nice roll from there. Um, but yeah, it's good to see—you know—a streak of a few wins in a row. It feels like it's been years, centuries. Um, since that has happened and you know now we got a little bit of a groove here with Potter hopefully uh, things are going to start moving in the right direction um, and maybe we can just get a few wins together you know we're probably not going to make top four or top six or whatever uh, you know play in Europe next season but if we can get a nice roll going into the summer going into the off season um, that could set us up nicely for next season maybe a nice run in the Champions League as well. Yeah, I mean, just take into account that uh, we did win this match against Leicester City, and if you want to use the mud term as your expression, they are further in the mud than Chelsea is, uh, sitting now 16th in the Premier League table. They have had a worse season uh, than... Not saying their standards are as high as Chelsea Football Club. Luckily, I guess... Well, I don't know if this is good or bad. I was just going to say, luckily, Chelsea get placed in higher standards than Leicester City does. But they're definitely on a good day, a top 10, if, you know, even better, top five team. So they've also had a very tides have turned sort of uh, lower than average, way lower than average type of season for them. Um, So just remember who we're getting these wins against. It's not coming against top 10 teams, but that's all right because we're a top 10 team. The Dortmund win counts. Dortmund win one of the best teams in Europe at the moment. And we'll find that soon, right? We have like... Uh, don't we play like at least like if I think we play all six of the top big six teams air I put air quotes there uh left in the season still so I mean we'll find out if we've actually turned the tides enough that we can actually compete with them again or we're just very much on a fluke right now 
Yeah, I mean, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. I, I do you guys want to talk about the performances in this one because we definitely had some. I don't want to say newer faces, but some some guys uh, step in here. Uh, we saw Mudrick start, I think, right? Jao Felix start. Uh, also, Batashield came in at some points. I don't know if you wanted to talk about kind of the newer ish. Chelsea, why you take you're taking Peter's role here? He's he's itching to get on now and talk about. Oh, why? Because Mudrick played. Yeah, yeah, very. The young players. It's the young players, man. It's as sketchy as it sounds, you know. (laughs) But yeah, okay. I'll talk about Mudrick. I mean, he finally looked like a competent player. It's his seventh appearance. I don't know how active any of our listeners are on Twitter, but you know, he was he was about to get double or seven, zero goals, zero assists, seven games. Very bad. You know, we don't want that. So we obviously, coming into the game, we wanted a goal involvement from him, and we got it. I mean, it took a while. It was a bit of a fluky assist, but that just shows that he's able to. He also scored a disallowed goal, and I think he had a disallowed assist earlier in the season, too. He's been getting very unlucky. He's especially gotten very unlucky in, I think, a lot of the the tactics we've been using. Uh, a lot of the times when he's been playing, he really hasn't been playing. We haven't been playing in a way that played to his strength. Uh, but then this game, once he went back out onto the left for the last, like, 10, 15, 20 minutes with, that he was on before he got subbed off, he looked so, so, so much better. That's when he scored his disallowed goal. He was offside. You know, he, he it was the great view of the camera angle because you saw the linesman hold the flag up as he was running and knee sliding into the corner. Uh, I was hilarious. Uh, you know, obviously you feel bad for him for that, but it was very funny. But, I mean, he just looked dangerous. He looked like a good player. He looked didn't look like he was lost like he had been the previous games. So I think this is a great building for it. I think Potter did the right thing in kind of taking him out of the squad. Well, not out of the squad, but giving him a few games to just kind of, like, settle in, go to more practices, get used to the players, get used to the tactics, get used to the Premier League, and then come back in and then have a good performance like he did. And I think that's actually very good management from Potter, as much as we want to hate on him. That was very good by him, and it worked out because, obviously, Midge got the assist. And he looked very dangerous, which is good because you don't want your $100 million signing to look like he should be playing in the championship. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Mudrik, he kind of developed into the game as time went on. Uh, it Originally, right, he was playing more centrally um, where, you know, we haven't really seen him before with Havertz a little bit to his right, Felix a little bit to his left. Um, and then obviously he then shifted a little bit more to the outside on the left-hand side. Um, and kind of was involved in that front three rotation quite a bit. Um, but I thought overall, you know, he didn't get a lot of touches throughout the game, but, you know, he made some important plays. He progressed the ball forward, and he obviously got that assist at the end, even though I don't think that was intentional. I think he was trying to head it towards goal. But um, overall, I thought he had a solid performance, and hopefully it's something to build off of and start really impacting this team in the way we thought he would be uh, impacting it in the way maybe someone like Jao Felix is impacting it, uh, even though he took got taken off at half for Connor Gallagher, who it turned out was, and we all thought, oh, Felix must be injured. No, no, it was a tactical substitution um, to bring off Felix. I'm surprised he didn't bring off Mudrik. He must not have wanted the 007. That, that must have been it. Um, but, you know, I think, I honestly, all jokes aside, I think Potter knows. I think Potter's aware. 
Peter, do you not think Potter's aware? Josh no, is- I think Bowley's aware. We see him in the Twitter spaces all the time. We see him interacting with the fans. He definitely he definitely saw saw all the Twitter posts. Like Mudrick Devil does have an incoming today and was like, Okay, Potter, yeah, you can you cannot bench him until you know he's getting a double because he he got taken off he literally got taken off right after he got the assist too something 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 sketchy is going on there but i mean it's not it doesn't matter if it's sketchy or not we got the win and he played well so whatever it did thank you twitter fans making fun of 007 and making 007 allegations defeated so defeated that it's you love to see it it's great you finally looks good again it's comeback but what do you think about that change from gallagher or from Felix to Gallagher at halftime. It's not uh, interesting adjustment. I mean, I feel like even if it's not like a full injury, I feel like he definitely is feeling it. I mean, when you get, when everyone's trying to murder you on the field and none of them get red cards, he probably, I think he had two red card tackles that should have been red cards against him, but I'm not going to go into a, uh, you know, a, a Jose Mourinho level kind of rant on the refereeing. Even it's just as a campaign against Chelsea, but we we've known that forever. I mean, I've, I think eventually you realize that your your legs start to hurt when people just cleat you and try to murder you. So, you know, I feel like that also definitely played a factor, even if it wasn't like a major, major injury. But then, obviously, a tactical change. I said that Vujic's uh, management was good by Potter. I mean, there's obviously been very questionable subs sometimes throughout the games. So I think we'll say this probably being one of them. It worked out in the end, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. But it, sometimes what he's doing, it just doesn't make sense. It, we're 2-1 up, and then he immediately starts going to defend. Because in the first half, after we went 1-0 up, he started playing regularly. Like he didn't make any defensive subs, because obviously there's still 60 minutes left. But 45 minutes is clearly the cutoff where, I mean, he has to bring on defensive players. Uh, I don't know if Boldy's saying, like, the next time you lose, if you lose against a bad team, I'm going to I'm gonna sack you. I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess he thought that playing more defensive would suit the game or something i don't know it's weird I, I, it is weird but he's been known to do weird things so it doesn't really surprise me it's just you just kind of accept it and know that he's gonna just do some weird things as the game goes on yeah i mean i know gallagher is not exactly popular with me or you or a lot of fans but he does seem to be popular with potter um and even he had some fans in Tuchel uh, before he was sacked, obviously, as well. So maybe they know something we don't. But um, I certainly think that's interesting. Obviously, no Reese James in this game. So it was Loftus-Cheek at right wing back. I feel like when Loftus-Cheek plays, he disappears. He's just not there. In this case, I thought he was a little bit more involved than usual. I thought there was some runs down the wing that he was able to do that were very good. But overall, on the defensive end, I think he's a big liability there, and you're leaving Fafana kind of on his own island there. And then going forward, like I just find he's really awkward in that position, and I kind of feel like he's awkward in all positions. He doesn't really have a set position that fits him. You know, if he's if he's an attacking midfielder, it almost feels like he's a little bit uncomfortable being that high up the pitch. If he's like kind of a false nine type player, it's like he can't really finish. Um, you know, if he's playing in that a more deep lying midfield role, feels like he's a liability defensively. Wing back, it feels like he's a liability defensively. He can't really get forward on the like the pace isn't necessarily there for that. You know, it's just like I feel like he's such a good player, but they can't find the right spot for him. Obviously, in this 
in this situation, it was necessity and they need to put someone out there. So he is the best option. But I, I just find it so weird how every single spot you put him in, you know, he's, it always feels uncomfortable. I, I feel like that's just kind of how his game is, though. I feel like it always has a sense of awkwardness to it. It always has a sense of where it looks like he has no idea what he's doing. But then it all, well, not always, because sometimes he does obviously make mistakes. He's not perfect. But usually, most of the time, it works. Like, he takes those touches that look like they're too long, but then he has extremely lanky legs for some reason and gets onto them and dribbles around someone. And, I mean, I feel like you're never going to get a 10 out of 10 performance with him. Loftus Sheik is just a good squad player. He's just someone good to have. He can play in all those positions. Sure, he won't be, you know, the best player in those positions, but I don't think that's what you expected of him. I think you expect him to go into these positions, be able to play all across the field, and drop consistent, like, five, six, seven out of ten. So he's just an average player, and I feel like that's not an insult. That's a compliment. When you're, you, Every team needs those players that can play, that are versatile, that won't, you know drop hall of shame performances but also won't be the best player in the world they just they just they go in they do what they need to do occasionally they'll make mistakes occasionally they'll look good and they just play average and i mean i think that's what loftus cheek is and i think he's a good player to have and i mean in this game you see he was dangerous at times sure he like you said he was leaving for fun and definitely isolated at times but it kind of it's a trade-off and in the end i think it's fair to say that he had a very average game and that's basically what you're always going to get from them. One more thing I wanted to bring up before we kind of move on in the episode. Keppa, what is he like a reliable number one here? Because it just felt like it, you just feel so uncomfortable when the ball's in the box, when anything's happening. Yes, he makes some great saves at times, but just doing some of the simple stuff that you'd expect your keeper to do, he just doesn't be, seem to be able to do it. His distribution has gotten much better coming out of the back, right? He's really, you know, passing well um, when we're building from the back. But it just seems like he's a really, really, again, an uncomfortable goalkeeper to watch. Uh, he's kind of like the loftest cheek in goal, uh, except that I think he doesn't really have that same, um, you know, talent, <laughs> to be honest. Well, at this point, obviously, we have no other option. Uh, I mean, he is Chelsea's goalkeeper for however long we decide that Mendy is not. And Mendy wasn't even in the squad, by the way. Is, right. he, is he still injured? I think he's, he, he, I think he's, he has to be still injured, right? Because okay. that a super yeah. squad anyway. He wasn't, Bad, but... Badinelli is in there and he's also terrible. So uh, don't forget about Slow Pizza, the guy from Sh- uh, Slonina. I will say that Slow Pizza is a joke because he's American, obviously. Chicago Fire. He's now. He's also he's from at- Chicago, right? So Chicago yeah. Pizza. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, he's he's funny. at Chelsea now, right? Yeah, think- he is. Yeah. So I guess that's an, also another option, but I don't think we want to throw in a, what, 18, 19 year old in there. He's so, playing but- in the Premier League 2 squad, by the way, and he's playing really, really well there. So. Uh- Maybe yeah. we'll see him at some point if Keppa decides to go back to being Keppa. But anyway, Josh, like you said, yes, it is Keppa is the realistically the only option. But in the summer, I think I think there has to be a move for a goalkeeper because it's just it's so uncomfortable. And in the Premier League, I feel like you really need a bigger goalkeeper. And the fact that Keppa's really undersized is a concern. You know, as much as he plays well can, with that, when you're coming in the box for crosses and trying to be physical. It's really, really tough when you're, I mean, I don't even know how tall Keppa is. Like here, I'll look it up real quick, but I can't imagine he's more than six foot. 
Yeah, he's six one. So, and that that's a little bit much for me. Even I can't even imagine he's that tall. But you know, it just seems like it doesn't. He's a little bit too small to be a Premier League goalkeeper. That's what I was going to say. Why are you guys laughing at me? What's going on? Because you don't you don't trust the height. <laughs> I don't trust that. He's, he's practicing at the combine wearing platform shoes. He's just wearing yeah. platform shoes at his measurement day, okay? I don't, I don't, don't trust it. it. I don't trust it. Google's lying. Alex, how tall are you? <laughs> Not relevant. How tall are you? <laughs> no, I'm asking the question. How tall are you? I'm probably yeah. like 5'11". Oh, you're undersized, my friend. I know. Yeah, it's very it's too small. Alex. It's too for small. you. Um, I, I I would like to say, though, there are those times, and we had that, I think, in the uh, in the Champions League match, and... I'm trying to remember if there was one in this match, but there are those like once in a while saves that Kepa does make where where you see that glimpse of like unbelievable and you make that save and he's like, holy moly, how did Kepa just make that save? He gets his like fingertips on it with his reach Um, that I do have to say, Alex, I I know you're saying he's undersized, but I do think at some points he does cover a lot of ground, which is what a keeper should do. But it, it is it is definitely apparent throughout this season that there are those once in a while times where he does make those unbelievable saves and you're like, yeah, that's Kepa. That's my goalkeeper, right? That's, that's that represents Chelsea right there. Um, and we definitely had that against Dortmund. I, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if you guys can if think of one from this game against Leicester City. Uh, but there are there are those moments, too, where he does make phenomenal saves from time to time. So there's that. Uh, if not, if you don't have one specifically, unless do you, Peter? It seems like you're ready to. No, I was just I was just gonna say that with those extremely great saves, he also has those times where he just decides. Let me and not I, watch I was just not gonna yeah. save this. I'm just not gonna save this. No, there, there are I'll just let it. There in. are definitely those times where he kind of looks like he doesn't even want to be on the pitch, and he's just like not even watching the ball, and then it just goes in, and you're like, Kepa, are you gonna like actually like attempt to save that or just stand there like a weirdo? And that's exactly what he does. Um, so. I, I do understand what you're saying. Um, I, I would like to transition, though, because I honestly think that each of these... I, I was so proud of the way Chelsea scored these three goals that I think we should break them down individually. So I want to start with the first one. And it's the Ben Chilwell early uh, score off a volley in the 11th minute. That was Koulibaly. The cross field... What? Cross, by the way, I will say it's a cross in quotes. He what, basically just swung his he swung his leg at the ball and hoped it went somewhere dangerous. <laughs> Listen, it worked, and it looked like it was intentional. Although he was just trying to go into the box, it landed right by Chilwell. And I don't think it looked intentional. It looked <laughs> and the Leicester City goalkeeper obviously wasn't set up perfectly, and the announcers kind of cleared that up. By the way, he was positioned more to the right. He was not prepared for Chilwell to take that first touch. He was thinking that he would take one touch to settle the ball down and then try and shoot for the net. Chilwell did not do that. Um, so I guess, fine. If you don't want to call it on Koulibaly, call it on Chilwell then for that first time finish that I thought was absolutely perfect. I thought it was a banger when I saw it originally. I thought it was like, damn, that was insane. But then I realized like it was still a good goal because it's hard to hit it out of the air like that and like get it on target. But it kind of just like rolled by the goalkeeper. <laughs> Oh my God! You guys say it was Jesus. okay. Okay, no, we 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 are acknowledging because we were texting about this. We when when we texted it, we were like, "Oh my God, Ben Chilwell! Oh my God, what a thought goal!" He just, thought he scored uh, the goal of the century. Yeah, and then you and then you watch two replays and you're like, "Wow, what is this? This keeper's doing kind of some highly questionable things." That was like, see, that was a perfect example of something I expect Kepa to do every game, where he's just 
he's there. He sees the ball, and he just decides, I'm going to dive after the ball is past me, and yeah. so I won't save it. I, I do think the announcer, I forget who it was here for us on the USA channel, got it right that the goalie was very much expecting a one touch and then a shot uh, to settle the ball down because obviously, as we, as you guys said, basically it was a cool volley prayer and a half as he kicked it up for the cross. So um, I definitely think the the goalkeeper was more like, okay, he's going to, you know, settle this ball down so we can get control of it and get a nice shot off. And Cho was like, nah, I'm good. Probably saw the keeper actually out of position and just was able to deliver enough of a strike to get in. Okay, so if you're not going to be super positive about that one, at least you have to, I'm I'm sure, love this especially one. as you guys are Kai Havertz lovers, this is all in your wheelhouse here. The pass <laughs> and then the finish by Havertz right over the goalkeeper. I'm just going to mute and I'm going to let you both explain. Well, at first, I thought it was offsides because Kai Havertz decided that he's going to look like I don't even know what happened. Something like something happened to his so dog weird. or something. I th- oh I thought God. like I I was like I was just like okay. I mean, <laughs> I was like okay. I mean, I guess it's just offsides because oh, it, it's it's always what happens. It's always we score a great goal and then VAR obviously rules it out. And I think the players have realized that too. But this is not a VAR tangent. This is not a VAR tangent. I already said I wouldn't go into the referees earlier, so I can't go into VAR now. That'd be hypocritical. But. We thought it was offsides, both of us. I texted Alex and I was like, oh, what a goal. And then I saw that no one was celebrating and I was like, okay. Well, okay, it's offsides. That's unfortunate because, oh my, that pass from Enzo. Oh, it's lovely. I mean, people are saying, people are saying that he's not worth 100 million or whatever. I mean, he's consistently, he's playing out of position. He's not as defensive as we're playing him, but he still gets like every single game. I see those Twitter posts and it's like most ball recoveries, most ball ones, most completed passes, most long passes, best pass success rate. And then he can do passes like that where he just scoops the ball up. Those five, the, that's what we've been needing. We need someone like Fabregas who's who's able to break these, make that final pass inch perfect to set up the players. And I mean, we haven't been seeing that. And I think it's been a struggle for years now where we've seen that we don't have, we didn't have anybody who was able to break down these low blocks where they just put all their defenders at the ball at the edge of the box. And we had no one who was able to make that pass to break that up and to get our players into a good spot. But I mean. I mean that pass, that that was lovely. That without that single pass was worth the hundred million. And then obviously, I mean, Kai, as Josh said, Kai Havertz. I mean, we got to talk about that finish. Very tidy, especially considering literally two minutes ago he was there was attempted murder against him from Amarty. You could see the scar, the battle scars on his chest when he lifted up his shirt. I mean, I that's just just such a good goal. That's like. That's the best goal we've seen in forever. It's like I I couldn't believe my eyes. I think that's part of the reason why I thought we didn't. Three goals in a it. game. It's crazy. I know that, Never and, and it was like good goals too. Not fluke like free kicks, fluke corners, fluke random like deflections. Like three good solid team goals. It's like I've never seen this before. Like what even is happening? Plus more. Plus there were disallowed goals too that looked that were very good goals too. We had that one. I think uh, I think it was Zhao Felix who finished it. That was barely offsides. I thought it was like we had so much interplay. I mean, we just looked good today. Potter Paul, this, man. I, I'm starting to believe, man. The He's belief cooking, is bro. He's cooking. Belief is coming back. The belief is coming back. That's all I'll say. Potter is cooking. Um, yeah, that Havertz goal. It was just beautiful. Enzo, Havertz, Law, beautiful. Just amazing. Just, it's making me so happy right now just thinking about it, even though it happened like two days ago. And Enzo Fernandez wasn't done after that because he helped set up the play for a final goal by Chelsea to put them in a 3-1 lead and solidify the win um, against Leicester City. And that was basically he started the run by sending it forward for Kai Havertz, who then turned around in the box, 
set it up for Connor Gallagher to then head it, and then a beautiful touch by Mateo Kovacic to uh, put Chelsea up 3-1. Wait a second. Are you f- not... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Gallagher, you're... What are you, you're trying to feed into the 007 out? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Mudrik. It was Mudrik who got Mudrick, the assist. not Gallagher. Oh, that was Mudrik who had the header? In the box? Yes, yeah, yeah, thankfully. Yeah. If it was Gallagher, we'd never look it down. <laughs> the hair threw me off. Notice, my fault. notice how we're so focused on this, like, not even intentional assist. Like, it's the most Yeah, even though the Mateo Kovacic, that was an absolute banger. I mean, no yeah, one it, talking about incredible it. volley. I mean, to be able to lift your foot up to that height and be able to still keep it down and be able to hit it that hard. I mean, I love Mateo Kovacic, man. There's always people that are hitting on him. I've always been a believer. This podcast is my evidence for for me being a Mateo Kovacic believer, okay? If we okay, for every Werner, there's a Kovacic, okay? You gotta keep faith with players and eventually they'll pay off if you ignore Werner, okay? But you know that, it happens. Hey, he's balling in the Bundesliga. Don't don't get him. True. As he always does though, as he did before he came to Chelsea. It's not it's not a surprise that he went back and balled out. We knew that was gonna happen. Um but anyway, I also um yeah, I mean just again though with the uh, Enzo Fernandez feed, I think you just have to keep that into account that just the, another Great pass to set up that run. Put Havertz ahead of his defender, too. Um, Havertz definitely had a step if he wanted to keep at net, but it was it was a tough angle, so it was a good thing that he cut it back. But anyway, it worked out in the end. Chelsea ended up winning, and honestly, it was the first time in a while where I felt so comfortable in those last 10 minutes. Obviously, I mean, you're up by two goals. I, that makes sense. Uh, but with all the like the Leicester fans leaving, like we haven't really had that in a long, long time where you're, you're having these... like. Chelsea fans take over an away an away stadium and having the home fans taking off before the the 90th whistles you know 90th minute whistle is blown it's we haven't had that in a long long time so I was just very happy about that um okay so I think that really breaks it down for the game did we want to do player ratings Alex yeah you weren't really happy with it last time I don't know what are we doing or we're just gonna wrap this one up I really don't care I think for this episode we've already gone for a decent bit today so I think we'll just wrap it up, but we may bring player ratings back for next game. But plus, in today, in this game, everyone gets an A plus. Everyone gets true. A 10 out of ten. A, a, a ten out of ten. You know, and, and we were giving our own ten. ratings. We don't care about other people's. It's all ten out of ten. No. Yeah, it's all ten out of ten. Because it made ratings. me happy. They all made me happy. They didn't make me think that I needed to cry and I didn't need to just go back to bed. It was wonderful. They all get ten out of ten because they boosted my spirits. Okay, so I'll boost their spirits back. You know, it's a given out of relationship. Ten. 10 out of 10. Everybody, everybody. Everyone. Even Potter. Potter ball goes. Even Potter. I'm, I'm a believer, man. Harry Potter, man. He's taking us to the promised lands. You know what's also pretty cool, guys? Is that. Very cool. No, you can't give us a, five, a 10 out of 10. But what you can do is you can go on Apple Podcasts and Spotify <laughs> and give us a 5 out of 5. Because we're hoping that we can bring joy into your lives. And as Peter said, I hope that we don't put you back to sleep or, uh, you know. <laughs> Do anything besides create happiness. That's what we're trying to do here with this podcast. So if you think we also get a high player rating, you can give us a five out of five on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe on those platforms as well, along with other platforms that you could find at chipstudios.com slash talking blues. Um oh, hit us up on Twitter at talking blues pod. Alex, we're gonna step it up with the tweeting there. But uh, uh, that's all right. We're going to kind of get back into the swing of things as we go along. What do you mean? Why are you looking at me? Uh, bro, I felt shots coming and yeah. you're not even in my room, bro. Yeah, there, there's no need for this. Out of pocket. But you know, if you want Twitter access, you let us know and you can help us out. Uh, yeah. Soon you'll we, know, we, know, we know he's popular on Twitter. 
Yeah, yeah, never, yeah, never. Uh, you'll, you'll fo- if the account starts getting you know some more followers, it's no, after the social media guru takes over. You know, just l- let it happen, okay? Let it happen. You know, <laughs> allow it, allow it. Well, uh, we appreciate you listening. I think Chelsea's going to be playing Everton next Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's their next match, relegation derby. You want to go double check that one of you two? I'm checking it as we on, speak on the case. Am I right? Yeah, I right? Saturday. You're playing at 1:30. What? Correct. So it's going to be a late night match in the UK, well, but a nice early afternoon yeah. match for us. We appreciate you listening, and we will see you next week for another episode of the Talking Blues podcast. For now, thanks again for listening. Peace. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.